Hi, this is Steve Durr. Today we're going to read from Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 1 and going to verse 20. Quick uh, context, Paul and Barnabas were run out of Pisidian Antioch by some Jewish leaders and opponents, and so they head to their next destination, Iconium, which is 90 miles east. So they got a bit of a walk in front of them. So let's pick up the story. The same thing happened in Iconium. <laughs> Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. While they were in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. And so Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, These men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town, and so the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, and Paul heard what was happening. They tore their clothes in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We've come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. And so Paul and Barnabas arrive in Iconium after being kind of run out of town in Pisidian Antioch. And again, they follow their pattern. They first go to their fellow Jews and share the good news of Jesus in the synagogue. They stay in Iconium for a while and have many Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles, become followers of Jesus. And so there's quite a group developing here of people eager to follow Jesus. Paul and Barnabas uh, were also being used by God to do miracles there, which helped give validity to their claims about Jesus. But even though there were miracles and signs being done um, and dr that drew many people to Jesus, it wasn't enough to put a stop to those who opposed the mission of Jesus. And so some Jewish leaders and 
Jewish and Gentile community members who opposed them decided to stone them, threaten them. But Paul and Barnabas got out of town and headed to Lystra, a Roman colony 18 miles southwest. And so in Lystra, they show up and they're used by God to heal a man. And the people in the town believe that Paul and Barnabas are the gods, Hermes and Zeus. This town, like most of the region, were very spiritual, very devoted to the Greek or Roman gods, as well as the local gods, and they also worshiped the emperor. Why are the people in Lystra seeking to worship Paul and Barnabas? Well, there is the miracle that leads people to believe something supernatural is taking place. The people in the region believed in the Greek and Roman gods and that they could come and take human form and test mortals, so there is that. For example, uh, before Paul and Barnabas arrived in Lystra, there was a well-known story in that region of Zeus and Hermes coming to that area, looking mortal, acting human, and there was only one couple in the entire region who showed them hospitality, who cared for their needs. The rest of the region, the rest of the community, failed to show hospitality and respect. Therefore, all but that one couple were destroyed in a flood by Zeus and Hermes. And so that's a tradition, that's a story that's told in that region. So now, imagine, two men show up in town and they're able to do miracles. Could this be Zeus and Hermes returned? Will we show proper respect and hospitality? Or will we be wiped out? So they are eager to show respect. They're eager to worship. And so Paul and Barnabas finally get through to the masses seeking to worship them, and they insist that they are not the gods they worship. In fact, Paul makes it clear that the gods that they worship aren't gods at all, and that there's only one creator God. Paul points out that God has been good to them. He's provided for them, and now he wants to be known by them. Paul is boldly proclaiming the truth of God that confronts the deeply held views of the people. But just when Paul and Barnabas are getting an opportunity to share the love of God, opponents arrive from two cities they were in previously, Pisidian Antioch and Iconium. They found Paul and Barnabas, and they get the crowd who were ready to worship them to now reject and kill them. I mean, imagine you're going town to town, and you've got people following you, trying to discredit you and get you killed. And so Paul here is literally, he's stoned. And the crowd thought he was dead, and so they drag him outside the city, left for dead. But fellow followers of Jesus gather around him, and he got up. Now you can speculate, was he raised from the dead? Or was he just unconscious? We don't know. But what we do know is he was stoned, left for dead, and he got up. Now if, if I was just stoned by the crowd of a town and left for dead, I would not go back to that town. But Paul gets up and goes back into that town. <laughs> now imagine the people when they see him walking into town. Oh, look, there's the guy we bashed with rocks and killed. What is he doing walking around? So imagine the encouragement to those who began to trust in the God Paul spoke about. Paul's boldness, courage, and strength would have given courage to them. Perhaps this God is stronger than an angry, stone-throwing mob. In Galatians chapter 6, 17, 
later, Paul writes this, For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. The call of the Spirit on Paul and Barnabas gave them courage and conviction in the face of terrible circumstances. Paul saw this stoning and his hardships as marks to reveal that he belongs to the crucified and risen King, Jesus. Now one thought for today. I find it fascinating how Paul speaks to different groups of people. We've read one of Paul's messages earlier to his fellow Jews. In those messages, he retells the Jewish story, the story of Scripture, and he helps his people, the Jews, see that Jesus is the one they've been waiting and longing for, the one that Scripture speaks of. But in today's reading, we hear Paul speaking to pagans, to people who follow the Greek and Roman gods, who don't have an awareness of the one true creator God. And so Paul doesn't start quoting the Jewish scriptures. He appeals to their experience, to their story, to their life. He appeals to what they've seen, what they long for, what they desire. Paul communicates that the one God wants to be known by them and that he has been looking after them without them even knowing it. Paul doesn't have time to get to Jesus in the story because of the opposition, but you can see that he approaches these communities very differently, the Jewish and Gentile communities. Before Paul shares the good news of Jesus, he seeks to understand what the people he's interacting with need to hear. He's seeking to connect the good news of Jesus with the good news they need. Have you ever wanted to tell someone about Jesus? The best place to start is to listen to them, to care about them, to understand where they need good news, where God already already might be at work in their life. Paul knew he couldn't start quoting scripture to people who didn't even know the scriptures or see them as sacred or authoritative. He understood they didn't realize that God was there and that God alone was God. They had a different set of beliefs. He needed to make an introduction to help them see that God desired to be in relationship with them. And so, the next time you're with people who may not be in a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to listen to them. To spend more time listening to them and less time trying to figure out how to say something. To understand their concerns. To hear their challenges. To be aware of their desires and what drives them. This isn't to come up with some kind of cold-hearted strategy. Well, now I've figured it out and I've got, the, I've got the edge on you. No, this is driven by love and, and recognizing that each person is unique and valuable. It's a desire to know that person. But as you listen, as you pray for their concerns, as you seek to understand their needs and desires, I encourage you to ask yourself, how is Jesus good news to this person? When you see something in their life that looks like Jesus, call it out, affirm it. I have a friend who's not a follower of Jesus, and yet uh, we talk about Jesus, and there's times when I see that he does something that is incredibly Jesus-like, and I tell him, I say, man, I know that you're not a follower of Jesus, but man, that looked so much like Jesus. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I just kind of explain that. Paul knew 
who he was talking to, and he valued the people enough to share God's love in a way that they could best understand it. And he wanted to help people take another step toward Jesus. And so who in your life is God bringing to mind that you could listen to, understand, and help introduce Jesus to? And what will be your response? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, bring to mind people in our lives that you deeply love, that we love, who might not yet be in a relationship with you. God, we pray that our love for them would lead us to really care about them, would lead us to listen, to understand, to come alongside them, to encourage them. And God, uh, we pray that you would move in their lives, that you would draw them to yourself, and would, you would show us how we can share the good news of Jesus with them in a way that is best understood. And so lead us in that. Give us a passion to help our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones know you, the one who loves them more than anyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.